We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures, visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, Daniel, do you keep a family photo album? You know, we used to, but these days it's all digital. I think Mark Zuckerberg owns all of our family photos. <laughs> it owns your family, period, probably. <laughs> that too. Uh, but And how do you feel when you look back and see pictures of yourself when you were younger? Um, I try to ignore all those signs of aging, you know, pretend that I look the same 10 or 20 years ago as I do today. I see myself as a fine wine. <laughs> because you have turned? <laughs> because I, I just get more expensive, do you? older I get for some reason. Well, you know, I've known you for uh, over 10 years or so, and I, I can I can say with confidence for those people listening that you are, sir, no Paul Rudd, unfortunately. <laughs> That's true in many ways, unfortunately. But it is kind of interesting how little clues can show you how old someone is or how old something is, right? It's true. You know, a few wrinkles here and a few gray hairs there, and all of a sudden, you look like you're in your midlife crisis. <laughs> What, what's that look? Like a look of panic? <laughs> it's a look of gravitas. I always remember how Dan Quayle dyed his temples gray in order to not look so much like a little boy. Dan Quayle, man, that's a, that re- that's a reference that totally tells everyone how old you <laughs> exactly. are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but it's fascinating how almost everything around us ages, right? Everything from yeah. people around you to the rocks around you um, to the buildings around you always show their signs of age. Nothing in this world is permanent. I'm Jorge, I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist and I'm young and spry. And I have not written any web comics, but I'm the co-author of the book We Have No Idea, all about the unknown questions in the universe. 
And welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we take weird and amazing and young and old stuff in the universe and try to explain it to you. And not just telling you the answers, but sometimes digging in deeply and explaining how we know so that you can explain it to skeptical folks around you. Yeah, we try to get you to think about the world around you and even the world you're standing on right now or sitting on or lying down on. And one of the th- depending on how you consume podcasts. <laughs> depending on how old you are. But uh, one of the goals of this podcast is for you to have sort of a new perspective on the world around you. We want you to see everything around you as sort of a clue, something that can tell you how the world works, that can reveal secrets, that can answer questions. Because almost every question we have about the universe, the answers are all around us. And it just takes sort of a trained mind and a careful eye to see those clues everywhere. And so there are clues all around you about uh, where we come from and how long we've been here and how long everything has been here, right? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes the answers are easy and obvious and sometimes the answers are mind-bogglingly surprising. And so today on the podcast, we'll be tackling quite possibly the oldest question on earth. Would you say that's true, Daniel? Is that who stole my dessert? Um, I think the answer is obvious. Obviously, it's your your children. (laughs) Well, you know, um, that's actually a question my kids asked me today. Um, when what? was dessert invented? Oh, yeah. sounds like a topic for a podcast. <laughs> I don't know if that falls into a physics question, but it's sort of a fascinating question. And uh, they were actually hypothesizing that dessert might be older than people, that maybe like our pre-human ancestors enjoyed a sweet t- uh, sweet treat after dinner. What do you think? The little um, bacteria that, uh, that evolved in the ocean, they're like... <laughs> You know, I could use a little tiramisu after consuming <laughs> this other other bacteria. I don't know if we have enough in common with bacteria to say what they might like, but I can imagine some pre-human hominid, you know, eating some berries and going, hmm, that goes nicely with my antelope or whatever they had for dinner. Well, anyway, so so we, uh, what, it, what I mean by it's the oldest question on Earth is that it's it's probably really the oldest question that could be on earth, right? Yeah, I think that's probably true. And it's uh, it's an important question, right? It's the kind of question that we'd like to dig into because it's the kind of question where the answer could change the way we think about life and the universe and the humanity's role in it, right? It has all sorts of things to yeah. do with, with creation and the context of our lives and, how, and therefore how we should live our lives and whether they have meaning. And so today on the podcast, we'll be tackling the question... How old is the Earth? And is it even polite to ask? <laughs> That's right. And uh, what does the Earth do when it gets upset, right? When it gets offended. Um, <laughs> and, and not just how Has old is the Earth. Has it had any work done? Has the Earth had any work done? Is it trying to... <laughs> I think the Earth looks great. It doesn't look a day past 4 billion. Um, <laughs> it is full of Botox, though, probably, right? <laughs> That's I mean, true. Um, and, and just as important as the question, how old is the Earth? And the answer, which is, you know, just a number, is how do we know? How do we have confidence in this right. answer? Because, you know, there are people out there who hold beliefs about the various age of the Earth. And uh, one of our listeners actually wrote in and said, hey, could you tell me how we know the age of the Earth? So that when I discuss it with my friends who have strong opinions about the age of the Earth, I can tell them not just what scientists think, but how they know it. Yeah, and that's the thing I think we always try to do in this podcast, right? Is try to get at how people know these things, not just 
tell people what scientists know, but how they know it. That's right. And that also helps you understand with what confidence we know it. Like, is this just sort of an educated guess, a back-of-the-envelope calculation, or is this something that people have been working on for hundreds of years and we have great confidence and have it nailed down to like 0.01%? And it's important because different things in science are, are known well and some things in science are, are known uh, not very well. So it's important to know how we know. Yeah, and so how old is the Earth uh, is the question for today. And it's kind of, um, I think it's a question most people know a little bit about, right? I mean, I think everyone knows or has a sense that the Earth is very old. Yeah, but you know, that sense that the Earth is like extremely old, like many orders of magnitude older than you or me or your parents, you know, is, is a fairly modern idea, I think, Thousands of years ago, people thought the Earth was only hundreds or thousands of years old. They thought it might have been created fairly recently. And it was only sort of in the 1800s that people started to understand that there were processes around us that we could see, specifically rocks and evolution, so geology and biology, started to give hints that the answer was much, much bigger than anything anybody had imagined. And I think that's wonderful. I, I, I love to live in a scientific era like that where you're where something you thought you knew is upended and replaced with a completely different answer that's like orders of magnitude bigger. Mm, wow. Is that really true? Like only in the last couple of hundred years do we have a sense of how old the earth really is yeah. before it was totally up in the air yeah it was up in the air until about the 1800s and then people started trying to do calculations and they're like well how long would it take to form a planet you know say you gathered it together with gravity or you know um, how how long would it take to lay down layers of rock you know how long would it take glaciers to move this kind of stuff and uh, you know geology is a fairly young field in that you know it's a couple hundred years old and so people started to look around and, and as soon as they started to explore these geological processes, they realized, wow, this stuff takes a long time. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like um, walking into a room and seeing somebody has written a book that's like five million pages long. And you're like, wow, you've been in this room a long time. You know, it sort of shocks you into realizing that things, uh, things are on a much different scale than you imagined. And that's the, we've seen yeah. the story of the earth all around us. We realize it's staggeringly long, much longer than we imagined. And that, yeah, that's a fairly new idea. Yeah, that's a lot of party you've missed. Right? <laughs> exactly. We should have been very end of the party. Things have been around for a long time. <laughs> Do you have a fear of missing out there? Is it FOMO about what happened in the earth? <laughs> all the good desserts. I have a fear eaten. of being in parties, actually, to be honest. <laughs> what about all the desserts? They usually have good desserts at parties. Old desserts or I just like a I just like a fine dessert wine. <laughs> so you show, you show up at the beginning of a party, have the desserts, drink the wine, and then go home. That's how you know you're old, Jorge. Sounds like a good party to me. <laughs> that is it's how you know. It's an age-old trick. <laughs> exactly. That's very age-appropriate. Um, no, so the, the, the beginning of this field, like becoming scientific, before that it was just speculation, but the beginning of the field becoming really? scientific was in the 1800s. Um, but still, wow. that's very inaccurate. Like, looking at rocks gives you clues about the sort of order of magnitude, but then people wanted to know very precisely and that took uh, that took right. some time to, to like basically to find clocks inside the earth clocks that have been ticking since right. it was born and that's in the end Sign, signs of aging yeah, yeah signs of aging very precise signs of aging but, that could tell us how old the earth was so you're saying like uh, you know the people who started the the United States like the founding father fathers 
like the founding fathers, they had no idea how old we've been around? Like, did they think we'd been around for a few thousand years, for a few... But didn't they know about the, you know, like ancient Egypt and things like that? Yeah, but you know, that's thousands of years. And so I think they had the idea that the earth was, you know, thousands, many thousands of years old, right? Um, because mm. that's as long as written history is. And so they imagine it's on that time scale because that's the oldest thing you know. And that's basically the game is like, find the oldest thing you know, and then assume that that's basically the age of the world, right? And that's frankly oh, what we're I still see. doing, mm. um, except that we think that we found stuff that comes from from the very beginning of the world. But, you know, they knew about stuff that was thousands of years old, so they had no reason to believe that the Earth might be millions or even, God forbid, billions of years old, right? Plus, I, I think those guys were pretty religious. All right, so it is an age-old question and one that a lot of people have had answers to and seem, seem to have answers to. But we were wondering what people out there right now in the world think about this question. Yeah, and this is one, uh, this is a set of interviews I was very curious to see what people thought. I was wondering if I would run into some sort of young earth folks who thought the earth was, mm. you know, from biblical ages. And uh, and even those people who were scientific, I was wondering, like, how precisely do people know the age of the earth? So this, I was very fascinated to hear the answers. Like, is it a million years, a bazillion years? <laughs> 27.2 bajillion. And so as usual, Daniel went out and asked people on the street how old they thought the Earth was. So think about it for a second. If you ran into a physicist in the street uh, today, well, how would you answer this question? And no Googling. Well, here's what people had to say. Um, I have no idea. Probably a billion years. I don't exactly, but my understanding is it's a couple hundred million years old. Okay. Do you know how we know? So I, I don't, actually. like My, my okay. physics knowledge is pretty limited. <laughs> Um, I think like we've used carbon dating to date things within uh, various geological epochs, but I don't actually know how we arrived at the calculation of the Earth's age. A million year? A million years, okay. Maybe three billion years old? Five billion. Tens of million of years? Tens of millions? Yeah. Cool. Four billion years? All right. And how do we know? Rock formation. It's probably like millions of years old, I feel like. All right. Um, a lot of millions and billions, right? Yeah, exactly. Not not a whole lot of really specific answers. I have to say I was a little bit disappointed. I guess I thought people were more interested in this. Like, I remember wanting to know this number as precisely as possible when I was a kid. I was really curious about this. Um, and so I was mm. a little surprised that people were just sort of knew it was super old and were satisfied and didn't really care about the details. Although I'll say every single mm. person here, after I asked them, the question, then they did turn around and ask me, they're like, well, how old is the Earth? So they wanted to know. Oh. I guess they just hadn't really spent any time looking it up. All right, well, let's get started on this topic, Daniel. And so, um, first of all, I think I feel like we should define what we mean by the Earth, by the age of the Earth, right? Like, um, do you mean like the the planet, like the ball that it's Earth or the the rocks in the earth or the atoms that are that make up the earth what do you mean like what's the age of the earth yeah it turns out that that's a bit of a fuzzy question right because the earth has a sort of continuous history it's not like somebody snapped their fingers and boom there was the earth and you can start from the clock from then right um, that you know of right that we know of that's right yeah unless of course it was a simulation in which case the answer is easy but um, in the case that it wasn't a simulation we have an idea about how the earth was formed 
And there's just a lot of stages there. And so you have to sort of make an arbitrary definition. And it's like a lot of things in science, you know, um, there's not necessarily a clear answer. So you just define it to be something arbitrary and then at least we can agree on it. Um, but maybe we should recap sort of the brief history of the, of the earth and how it was formed. Yeah, like how it uh, how it came to be. Yeah, and then at some point we're gonna say this is when the Earth started. This is when the Earth was born. That's right. This is when the party began, right? Because um, you know you invite people to a party at nine o'clock, and then they don't show up till ten, and by then you've eaten all the brownies. Um, but, <laughs> and, uh, and parties only really get started at 1 a.m. <laughs> That's right. Unless you're in Spain, in which case it's 4 a.m. Um, but, you know, the very early history is that we basically started with a huge nebula of gas and dust. And this is stuff that's left over from the explosions of other stars and just gas from the Big Bang. And then, of course, gravity did its thing and it pulls all that stuff together and you get a sun, right? So most of the stuff went to the sun. And then you get a disk of stuff that's rotating around the sun. It's like rings around the sun and then the gravity pulls the stuff in that disk together to turning to turn that disk into planets right and uh, so we right. think that the solar system started about four and a half billion years ago and it took like a few million or a hundred million years to pull all that stuff in the disk together into sort of proto planets right so you have this sort mm. of loose collection of stuff that gravity's pulled together and then gravity really gets to work and it starts squeezing it and it collects all the stuff and the planet heats up and sort of melts the metal and you you get the iron dropping to the core and the crust forming and so you can sort of ask, like, at what moment do you count the Earth forming? Is it like when you had the first big cluster of rocks or maybe when it got gravitationally heated enough to sort of melt the metals and form the core? Um, it's not really very clear. Well, I always found this uh, really fascinating because we, we talked about this the other day that something like the, the rings around Saturn are only temporary, right? Like at some point, those rings might turn into little blobs. That's right. Gravity is very weak, but very, very patient. And so it just keeps working. And you give it enough time, it will gather things together. And so the stuff that's orbiting right. Saturn, eventually gra gravity will pull it together into moons. Even the asteroid belt, is that at some point going to turn into more planets for our solar system? Yeah, eventually gravity, I mean, it's very slow and those things are mostly stable orbits, but eventually that stuff will get pulled together. I mean, also there's disruption, right? If you just left the solar system all by itself, then yes, eventually it will just gather together into a smaller and smaller number of objects. But there's disruption from stuff that comes outside, you know, in comets, things from the Oort cloud, mm. um, even, even things like supernovas from other solar systems can disrupt things happening in our solar system. Um, so, but yes, eventually gravity will pull all this stuff together. It's really incredible what over, over these time scales, what gravity can do. And that's one of my favorite things is just like realizing that these processes are really slow. So things must have been around for a super long time to make it happen. Right. Right. Well, I guess I would maybe count the, the birth of the earth is when it was formed, you know, when all those asteroids and rocks out there clumped together into a ball about the size of the ball that we have now. Like, you know, when, when it kind of snapped into shape, I would maybe count that as the age of when the Earth started. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's totally reasonable. That's totally reasonable. Um, I think one common definition is that you measure the age of the Earth as sort of the age of the oldest rock in the Earth. 
And then you can ask the question, well, what does it mean for a rock to be old? Like, you know, a rock is just a gravitationally pulled together clump of dust. But rocks are are formed, right? They're, they melt and then they're cooled. And so the age of a rock mm-hmm. is usually like the last time it was melted, right? So, so it's the time since it was last melted. And so a lot of t- people mm-hmm. just like look... Or the time that it cooled off. The last time it really chilled out. And so you can imagine like all these rocks came together, as you said, and formed the earth and got squeezed together and probably melted and then cooled, right? And the, the crust at least cooled. And so you can ask like maybe that last moment, the last moment of cooling of the crust, sort of the age of the oldest cooled rock on the earth could be a definition of the age of the earth. Because otherwise, how do you know right. when these rocks came together, right? Uh, otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> um, unless you have like, you know, CCTV of the formation of the solar system, it's pretty hard to pin <laughs> that down. Or you could say... Is it? Well, but you just gave me a number. You said that it was maybe it took around 100 million years to to form that... The, the ball of the earth. Yeah, that's, yeah, I said, I said between a few and a hundred million years, right? So that's a pretty big uncertainty. Oh. Um, we don't really mm. know how long okay. that took. And and what moment do you define? Like, do you need one more rock? Because, you know, cut st- stuff kept getting added to the earth. And so some people say, mm. well, the age of the earth is sort of just, let's just call it the age of the solar system, um, because that's pretty close to the age of the earth. Or you could say it's the, the age of the the oldest rock on the earth, so I think both of those are sort okay. of acceptable. And anyway, that's really all we can probe. In the end, what we do is we measure the age of the oldest rock we can find on the Earth, and we say that's pretty close to the age of the Earth. So the time that it formed into a ball is is kind of in between those two numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's between when the solar system formed and when the ball that is the Earth started getting crusty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When it started getting crusty and grumpy and eating desserts at parties and going home early. <laughs> like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere between conception and teenage years, that's when you're born. Right? That's, that's right. And, you know, we have the same question about people, right? I wonder about that sometimes. You know, um, what, how do you count somebody's age? If, they're, if somebody's born premature, they're older you know, even the, then somebody who was mm. born, who was conceived at the same moment, but then born uh, at full term. Uh, so even the age of people yeah. is sort of hard to define sometimes. All right. Well, we've determined uh, we've determined what we mean by the age of the Earth. And so now let's get into how we know how old the Earth is and uh, what, what that means. But first, let's take a quick break. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, 
How have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile, and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months a premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, so we're defining the age of the Earth as how old the oldest rock was formed that we know about, right? On Earth. That's right, exactly. Let's say... So when the Earth was like a ball of lava... That doesn't count. But once it started solidifying, then we're saying that's when the Earth was born. Yeah, exactly. Because we're imagining that, yeah, we're imagining that with the formation of the Earth probably melted a lot of the rocks because there was this early lava period, as you as you mentioned. And so as it cooled down and formed the crust, then it made rocks. And, and it turns out we can figure out how old a rock is. And so that's a, really mm. our best handle in figuring out how old the Earth is. And in the end, it's a lower bound, right? We say, well, here's an old, super old rock on the Earth, so the Earth must be at least that old. Because like we've talked about, like you mentioned, like... um trying to figure out how old the Earth is, the only thing we can do is sort of look around and see how old the things in it are, right? And like, what's the oldest thing in it? We know it has to be at least that old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's about all we can do. And you know, what you can do otherwise is sort of form a theory. You say, I have a concept for how this might have worked. And then you can fit data to it and say, well, I expect, you know, the, to see these sort of rocks in that case. And you can use that a theory to sort of extrapolate a little bit past the data you, you observe. But that's very... That, but that's speculative, right? It's based on your concept for how things happen. So the hardest number, the one that right. you know best, is the oldest thing that you can find. And uh, the oldest right. thing we find are rocks. And and so what we do oh. is we try to add, turn one question into another question. The question we can answer is, what's the age of the oldest rock on the Earth? Wouldn't that tell us, like if we found a really old rock, what if that rock came from before the Earth was formed? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some of those actually, like meteorites, right? Meteorites tell us the age of the solar system because we think meteorites were formed in the beginning of the solar system, right? The first stage uh-huh. is gathered together gas and dust into rocks, right? And so those right. rocks from space tell us the age of the solar system, but we can tell which rocks came from space and which rocks are from Earth. And so we can distinguish those oh. two. 
How, how can we tell? Oh, well, they're clearly labeled. You know, they have you, a, you ask them. They have a return address, <laughs> right? That says somewhere near Neptune. No, um, it, it's it's actually quite interesting. The so the distribution of metals in these rocks is very different for meteorites than it is for rocks on the Earth. Oh, I see. Yeah, it, it's like a different group of rocks. Yeah, it's like they have more nickel in them, or they have this other rare stuff, and uh, that's a whole other fascinating field. Um, and also, so these rocks are different from Earth, and they tell us like what else is out there in the solar system and what was out there when the solar system was formed. They're like little time capsules from the very beginning of the solar system. And they actually tell us another interesting story, right? So those rocks, we can tell how old they are and they tell us how old the solar system is. So we can answer two questions. We can find a bunch of rocks. We can say, oh, these came from somewhere in the solar system. They're XYZ old. These rocks are here on Earth. They're only, you know, ABC old. All right, so then, so it all comes down to the question of how do you tell how old the rock is? Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Or a meteorite, which is the same. Which is the same because a meteorite is just basically a rock from space that landed on Earth, and the way we do it is right. something called radiometric dating, which is not the same as carbon dating, right? But it works in a <laughs> which is not the same as online dating either. <laughs> it turns out to be actually kind of similar. Just a lot of swiping. There's a lot of lying about your age as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, carbon dating and radiometric dating have similar principles, and we should have a whole podcast episode about how carbon dating works. Carbon dating relates to organic stuff like living beings. Radiometric dating relates to how ro- how old rocks are. Okay, so you find a rock, and you're you're staring at it, and you're like, I wonder when this rock became a rock. Yeah, exactly. Like when this turned from lava to this uh, heavy thing that I'm holding. And so you can, we can actually tell, yeah. right? We can look at the stuff in it and tell how old, when it was formed, how many millions of years ago it cooled. Exactly. And I have so much respect for scientists who develop these techniques. You know, they look at a rock and they say, I want to know how old this rock is. How could I tell? Can I find something inside the rock that I can use as a clock? Something which changes reliably and steadily every year so that I can like count it and tr- and project back and figure out when that clock started or something. And this is hard to do. You know, you have to find something which is steady and reliable and can be calibrated. Um, it's not trivial, right? You can't just say, oh, I, I'm just going to measure XYZ property. You have to invent these techniques and it takes time and sweat and tears and so I have so much respect uh, for folks who did this. And, and in the case of rocks, it turns out to be very dependent on this special kind of mineral called zircon. Zircon, yeah. like the fake diamond? Like cubic <laughs> well, it, zirconium? It's related, yeah, it's related, exactly, zirconium. And uh, zircon is a special kind of mineral, and it's special because it has two properties. One, it likes, it's a crystal, and it likes to absorb uh-huh. uranium into it, right? It gobbles up uranium. So when the rock forms, if it has some zircon, it, then it'll grab any uranium that's around it. And the second important property... Wait, but wait, what is zircon made out of? Is it, what, what is it like a made out of iron or what is it, or carbon? What is this um, mineral made out of? I think it's made out of leftover desserts. <laughs> no, it's... Um, it's made out of bananas. <laughs> it's a mineral. Um, it's made out of zirconium and silicon and oxygen. Oh, so zirconium is like an element, like carbon or... Iron. Yes. Zirconium is an element and it's sort of like a silver metal. It's atomic number 40. It, uh, you know, doesn't really play a lot of roles in stuff other than like cubic zirconium. It's not like a famous metal like some of its friends and neighbors, um, but it plays an important role in, in aging rocks. So this element is all around us and it's in all the rocks and it forms a, a special crystal, you're saying, mm-hmm. that when it forms, it likes to 
capture uranium. That's right. It captures uranium and it re rejects lead. So the moment that the rock is created, it creates this special thing, which is zircon, with just uranium in it. And you might wonder, like, well, how is that helpful, right? Well, uranium, as you might know, is radioactive. It doesn't just sit around and stay uranium forever. It very reliably decays, and it decays into lead. But wait, why does zircon like uranium, and why doesn't it... You mean, like, when it forms the crystals, it forms a little structure, and... It just it just likes uranium, like uranium likes being inside of zircon crystals. I mean, I don't want to get in the mind of uranium or the mind of zircon. I mean, they they did some carbon dating online and they decided they were a good match. Um, <laughs> but no, no, some chemical, some business with the chemical bonds. You know, the the way the crystal structure of zircon forms fits very nicely with uranium and doesn't fit very nicely with lead. Right. I see. Yeah. So, like a rock, I have a. I have a bunch of lava and it cools and it slowly turns into rock and in that process is when you you're saying this crystal form yeah and zircon is not, it doesn't have to be all over the rock it's not like a whole rock full of zircon it's just these little chips of zircon and what they do is they repel all the lead inside them and they grab some uranium and your uranium is like a clock it decays very reliably so every million years or so some uranium turns into lead And so after one million years, some fraction of the uranium in that zircon has turned into lead. After two million years, another fraction has turned into lead. After a billion years, a very predictable fraction has turned into lead. So what you do is you take a rock, you look, at the, you find some zircon crystals, and you ask how much of the uranium has turned into lead. And that tells you how much time it's had to turn into lead. It's kind of like a like an aging process, right? Like wine. Yes. Like if you leave wine there, it's going to change its characteristic. Exactly. It's going to change into something else. Exactly. And you need some, that, that's why it works so well as a clock, because uranium is something that we know reliably. We understand it. We know how it decays. We know how long it takes. We know, you know, on after 100,000 years, what fraction of uranium atoms will turn into lead. And the other key thing, of course, is that it starts with a blank slate that when you form these zircon crystals, it rejects lead, right? So you start out like with an empty bucket and then slowly the uranium bucket fills the lead bucket. And so you can just measure the uranium lead fraction and that tells you how long the uranium has been turning into lead. It's really amazing. It's, it's really just chance that this happens and that somebody figured this out. So like if you find a rock and you find a little, a little zircon chip inside of it and it's like a let's say it's full of uranium then you know it's a pretty new rock exactly but if it's full of lead then you know it's a really old rock exactly that's exactly right so rocks start out start out pure uranium no lead and then as they age the uranium turns into lead and so a rock with almost no uranium in it is going to be like super duper old right And new lead can't just like come in from the outside because now it's crystallized, right? It's hard for lead to get in any other way. Oh, the only way you can get lead inside the zircon is for uranium to turn into lead. So it, it, the, the rock sort of, uh, you might say like it spoils or it ages <laughs> yeah. by looking at that. Yeah, it, like you, it, it turns into lead, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And whether it spoils or ages beautifully depends on, you know, your preference for how rocks taste, I suppose. Whether you swipe right or left for rocks. <laughs> That's right. But, that. you know, it took a long time to figure this out. People tried um, all sorts of other strategies first before they discovered this one. And there was lots of scientific careers and PhD theses that were frustrated in people trying to figure out a way to do radiometric dating before people st um, stumbled onto this one. Wow. And this is not one of these things that you um, have to calibrate, right? Because I imagine you have probably very 
scientific um, information about the decay of uranium, right? Like it's very physics-based. Like you don't have to calibrate it to anything else, do you? You're right. We can basically use simple physics arguments to argue how long uranium takes to decay into lead. And uh, and so it gives us pretty clear uh, d descriptions. But, you know, we also want to get confidence in it. And so what people do is they have various other sort of radiometric methods, not just uranium to lead, but other stuff, things that uh, decay faster, things that decay slower. And so you can use those to sort of cross calibrate. Um, but uranium to lead mm. is sort of the cleanest one. But you know, like everywhere in science, you want to check everything three different ways. Um, and then make sure you get consistent answers. All right, that's pretty cool. That's how we can tell how old a uh, rock is then. Rock can't lie. It can't lie about its age. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can lie, but we'll know you are. All right, let's get into the answer now, Daniel. How old Earth is and how old um, the solar system is. But first, let's take uh, another quick break. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time off to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life to immerse myself in natural beauty and have a unique experience. But you don't have to leave the United States to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. People from Puerto Rico are called Boricuas, but it's not just a name. It's a spirit, a flavor, a rhythm that you can only find in one place on Earth. Puerto Rico. It's embodied by these proud, passionate people, and you'll feel it in every part of the island. When you bask in the warmth of the beaches, when you taste the love in the food, when you embrace the call of adventure, you'll find the Boricua spirit in yourself as well. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. You can forget where you came from and embrace where you are in Puerto Rico. Because your visit ends, but the stories last forever. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Daniel, let's, let's break it down for people. How old is the Earth? Or at least the oldest rocks on Earth. Yeah, the oldest rocks on Earth come from Australia. And I don't know why, but that's not surprising to me. It seems like Australia is the land of extremes. And so you'd expect the craziest, weirdest, oldest rock to be in Australia. And the, <laughs> They have the biggest spiders, <laughs> the biggest crocodiles, right. and the oldest rocks. The deadliest everything. The biggest the movie best, stars, it seems. <laughs> and the best podcast listening fans, right? Um, no, we got a lot of good email questions from Australia. But the oldest rock on Earth comes from the Jack Hills of Australia, and it's 4.04 billion years old. So these are rocks that we... Did we have to dig up for them? Dig for them, or are they were they pretty close to the surface? Or yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. Actually, these rocks just sort of sit on outcrops, and people recently discovered that they have that the oldest rocks are there. And you know, it's um, the Earth itself, of course, has had lots of geologic activity, and so some of these really old rocks get buried, and then there's geologic activity that brings them up to the surface. And so it just happens to be at this spot on the Earth, these really old rocks got pushed up. And so they're not that far uh, underground. They're on this outcropping of rocks in Western Australia. Well, you almost kind of expect them to be close to the surface, right? Because that's, you know, I would imagine that if we were once a ball of lava, then the stuff sort of cools from the outside inwards. That's true. But, you know, then there's all these sedimentary processes where, where old things get buried. Um, but then there's tectonic activity and all sorts of other crazy stuff that brings stuff up and mixes everything around. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff going on there. I think it's not that not that simple. Um, but in the end, the oldest thing we found on Earth is, uh, is almost four and a half billion years old. It's 4,404,000,000 years old. And you know, that's a staggering answer. It's hard to really comprehend what that means. 4,000,000,000 years old. That's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of dessert parties, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if the history... <laughs> it's a lot of party missed. Yeah, I think, I think what you said earlier about how we came to the party pretty late, uh, it's sort of shocking. You know, the first people to like learn these numbers, to know that the Earth was billions of years old, it must have made humans feel sort of small and recent and, uh, and you know, maybe transient, right? Like, the Earth has had a long history and we are only the very last little bit of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a difference between, I mean, human history is maybe, what, like 10,000, 20,000 years old? Yeah, 100,000 if you're really the, generous. Yeah, but the Earth has been around for 4.4 billion years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not too impressed. It's been there. It's seen a lot of stuff. You know, it'll be here when we're done. Um, you know, people always right. talk about how humans are going to destroy the Earth, and uh, I don't think that's likely. I think the uh, humans might destroy ourselves or life on Earth, but the Earth will be here when we're done. Unless uh, I hear some physicists are trying to make black holes <laughs> down at the Large Hadron Collider. Yeah, but we just want to understand the universe, man. We're not threatening the world. There's no danger there. Trust me. And can I have ten more billion dollars to build a bigger one? <laughs> one year for every uh, one dollar. For every year that the Earth has been around. That's right. That sounds good. Um, but, you know, that's the oldest rock on Earth that we think is part of the Earth. It was part of the formation of the Earth. But, of course, we have found rocks on Earth that are meteorites, right, that came from space, that are older than the Earth itself. So a uh, late.
latecomers to the party. That's right. They heard there was something cool happening down here in the third rock from the sun, and they they uh, fell on in to figure it out. And those rocks are 4.56 billion years old. So that's like 150 million years older than the oldest rocks on Earth. That's the oldest meteorite that we found. And I think that you were saying that that kind of tells us what the oldest meteorite at all is in our solar system, right? Yeah, using the same logic, this is the oldest thing we found, yeah. So it's probably the sort of the age of the solar system, right? That's when we think the gas and the dust got accumulated together to form the, the sun and the planets and all that stuff. But the first stage of that was to form smaller rocks. And so we think these things are remnants of those times. Right, but wait, didn't the sun, hasn't the sun, our sun already been through a couple of cycles? Like hasn't it exploded a few times already? Well, our sun hasn't exploded, but it's material materials, right, have been through several solar cycles. Everything around us, all that stuff is left over from one or two or three solar cycles of a sun lasting for, you know, one, two, three billion years and then blowing up and spreading its materials around. So everything around us is all, all the components of the solar system are probably been recycled. But it's not like our sun formed and then restarted and formed and restarted. It was a different, it was from a different star. Oh, I see. So our current sun is, is, Maybe around 4.5 billion years old. Yeah, that's what we think. That's the history of our solar system. And remember, for context, the Milky Way is something like 13 billion years old, and the universe is just a little bit older than that, like almost 14 billion years old. So there's a lot of history before even our sun, our solar system was formed, and then a lot of history before we came around. And so like, that's the cosmic context that we're standing in. And so that's the oldest thing we found in the solar system, but that's older than the oldest thing we found that is part of the Earth. So somewhere between those two numbers is when maybe the ball of the Earth formed. That's right. right. That's what we call the Jorge date, the the Jorge yeah. definition of the age of the Earth. Some... <laughs> the ball date, Jorge's ball date. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and so the, you know, there's a, a window there about 150 million years, which seems like a huge number. You know, that's like a hundred. No, but it's pretty small, years. I think, compared yeah. to. Exactly. Geologically speaking, it's a blink of an eye. Yeah. Or universe speaking, it's it's uh, pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we, we know these numbers to plus or minus 25 or 50 million years based on the uncertainty of radiometric dating. And so um, because of the hard work of a lot of scientists to, to develop these things and to cross-check them and understand them across various other processes, now we've looked around us and we've gathered these clues from everyday objects around us. You know, the rocks at our feet, the rocks in Australia give us clues about these fantastic numbers that would just blow the minds of our ancestors. And those clues were around for them to discover also. And so, of course, that makes you wonder, like, what clues are there laying around at our feet now that would tell us secrets of the universe that our descendants will know and wonder why we couldn't figure it out? It's not just like an opinion, right? It's pretty based on evidence and it's pretty based on science and physics, these numbers. Yeah, exactly. These things we know pretty well. Uh, We have a lot of confidence in them. People have been working on these processes for decades and decades. Uh, A lot of, you know, grumpy competition between rivals to make more and more accurate measurements. You know, this is not a conspiracy of scientists all working together in harmony. You know, this is a, a bunch of people racing to develop better and better techniques and trying to find older and older rocks. Uh, remember, science is a competitive field, and everybody wants to one-up the other right. to get the more accurate, the more reliable, 
the more verifiable answer. So yeah, we have a lot of confidence right. in this knowledge. Yeah, it's like it's all around. The evidence is all around us, and you're you're standing on it. Yeah, exactly. And even if you can't do radiometric dating in your head, of course, because you can't see the zircon crystals, you know, you just look around you and you see lots of things around you which take a long time to form. You know, how long does it take a mountain to form? It's a very slow process. And so all around us on the Earth, we see evidence of very, very slow processes which have accomplished a great deal, which tells you that they've been doing it for a long, long time. Yeah. Like you said, who knows what else is uh, lying under our feet. That's right. Exactly. So I think yeah. uh, we answered that question about the age of the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, grab a, a glass of wine and sit back and, and enjoy. <laughs> That's right. And uh, no matter how old you are, remember, you can always enjoy one more brownie. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for asking great questions. This question was inspired by an email from a listener. So if you have a question you'd like to know the answer to, please send it to us at questions at danielandjorge.com. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits... LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.